with or of Adam as a people. And again, in 1 Corinthians 15, you find the same kind of language. <coughs> so <coughs> maybe I shouldn't have uh, passed that chamborado for an hour in the cold. Um, so what I'd like us to do is look at the story of Adam. And to do that, we have to go all the way back to the very beginning. And maybe if you've been a part of um, Car Love a lot, you notice that I always like to go back to the very first chapter. But um, we're going to go back to the very first chapter uh, again. So uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And so if you want to go with me to Genesis 1, 26. And this is the story of creation. God has created everything that is. And at the very end of the story, kind of as the highlight of the story, um, he creates us. And so Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this is the, the story of the Adam and Eve, the creation of, of human beings. And what's interesting is when you look at the creation story, the, the absolute high point of all of creation um, is the creation of us. And as I like to say, if you're ever feeling down on yourself, look in the mirror and say, I am the masterpiece of all of creation. Because you are. Uh, God said after every other cool thing he made, all of the stars, all the variety of animals and creatures, this thing that he made that was like the best was, was you and was me and was us. And that, that is the way God made us. And what is amazing about God's creation is after making this amazing creation, this intricate creation that is down to the very small level of, uh, of DNA. And it's interesting, there's a guy named Francis Collins who um, is the head of the National Institute of Health, and uh, he wrote a book called The Language of God. He was the person who was in charge of the international effort to map out the he human genome, to kind of map out human DNA. So that was his job. He's one of the best scientists in the world. Uh, he's also a believer, and uh, he talked about when when he, when he would look at the, the DNA, it was like he was uh, seeing kind of like the fingerprints. of represented, 
the, the image kind of represents the thing. This is why God says, don't, don't worship other images, for example. Don't worship idols. He says, because you actually already are an image. You're, you're, you're the image of me. And so how can you be the thing that's made to represent me, turn around and make something else and then worship that? I, I already made you to be an image of me, and you represent me in this world. And as you represent me in this world, um, your job is to bring about my sort of governance over my creation. Like you are, in that sense, my son. It's interesting that it says, son of Adam, son of God. And Adam, in one sense, was, a, was son of God. He was created, Adam and Eve were created to sort of, uh, human beings in general were created to, to sort of govern for God, God's good creation. And that's the responsible and loving care of God's creation uh, is, is our vocation, is our job. And we have all sorts of different gifts to do that. Um, some of us are good at doing things that are beautiful and artistic and creative. And God is the God of the arts. And if you listen to the sounds of the jungle at night or you look at even a coral reef and the amazing colors, I mean, God is the God of beauty. And some of us uh, are creative. And one of the ways we we take care of God's creation is by being creative and that spark of who God is in us. And some of us are more like structural and like engineering and things like that. And God is the absolute king of the engineers because he's the one who engineered everything that is. And every kind of variety of anything you could be good at, uh, somewhere or another God says, I want you to use what I made you to be uh, to sort of govern my creation. And that is, that's the goal that God has for us. And it's actually a goal that when God does it, um, he never quits on that goal. And he's never quit on that goal ever. Um, he's never had a plan B. Uh, it's why the very end of the Bible actually isn't that our souls go to a place called heaven where we play the harp and, you know, see other creatures floating around and uh, dance on clouds. I always think when I think, I used to think of heaven and people would say, we're going to spend eternity in heaven singing and dancing. And I thought... <laughs> Singing and dancing for all of eternity, I hope there's like throat lozenges. That sounds really long. And, uh, but the end of Bible does not end that way. The end of the Bible ends with a new creation, a restored creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And it has God as the king and us, uh, we're called the kingdom of priests, uh, who are kings and priests who are the, the original goal that God has becomes the way the whole thing ends. And for everyone who has said yes and to Jesus and put their, their life in line with Jesus' life and has received his grace, um, your destiny is to inherit the, the new creation and to be what God originally intended for us to be, uh, to represent him. And you see that in the very end of, uh, of Scripture in, Gen in, in Revelation. At the very, very last part of the Bible. So I always love going from, it's a good way to read a book, by the way. Go from the very, read the first chapter and then read the last chapter. And if you didn't like it, you can just skip the book and get a different one. But uh, Revelation 22, 1 to 5 says, And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear of crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and, and they will reign forever and ever. And they will reign forever and ever. And the, the very beginning, what God made human beings for, is the way it all ends. And God is like the ultimate non-quitter. 
It's like that was the vision that God had for the world, was that he would create human beings in his likeness and that they would govern his creation, and he never quits on that plan. I think the one part of the reason that God does, is not okay with uh, just kind of wiping it all out and trying again is because God more than any of us, I mean, I will give up on things pretty quickly sometimes, but God more than anyone else, he sticks out his plan, and his plan is I made human beings who, are, who I made them to be good, and I made a good creation, and I want them in relationship with me to reign forever and ever. And that's how the Bible ends in that way. You maybe didn't think you were going to reign forever and ever with God. Um, if you're like, I don't really like leadership, then uh, you should get over that. <laughs> um, but uh, that's sort of the way the Bible ends. That's the story of the way it goes. And so the son of Adam, the issue is that we know, of course, that Adam did not fulfill. Adam and Eve did not fulfill their God-given vocation. Um, they failed on it. And very quickly into the story, we find that uh, they rebel against God. And so all the way back to, to Genesis um, in chapter 3, we find the story of, uh, of the fall. And he says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did you really say you must not eat? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from, we made fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I think this verse, and you will be like God, in some ways I think all sin goes back to the first sin. And all sin, the moment when Adam and Eve decide to rebel against God's plan and go a different direction, it sort of sets the entire creation, the entire plan that God has um, is set off course and falls apart and is filled with brokenness and pain and hurt and ultimately results in the current world that we have. And if you don't believe me there's lots of pain and lots of brokenness, I would encourage you to turn on the news any night of the week and you will know there is if you're not already acutely feeling it in your own life. Um, but that is the story that in some ways we lost our we lost our calling. We lost our vocation. We, we, we got off track. Um, but God always was committed to the idea that human beings, it would be, he would rule his world through human beings. He didn't want to do it apart from human beings. I think that is the reason why he needed to have Jesus as a fully human being, why he had to be born as a human being, live a human life, you know, sometimes the, the, trying to figure out who Jesus is, that he's fully God and fully man, is always a difficult thing to do. But for just a moment, I want to look at the part that's fully human. Uh, don't think that's me saying he's not fully God. Uh, but as fully human, um, Jesus, it says in, in, in Colossians, he was the exact image of God. What We were supposed to be the image of God. We were created in his image, but Jesus actually did it. And I think there was God's plan for God's plan to go forward, which is a plan that human beings would ultimately be under his authority, sort of his governors of his creation. For that to happen, a human being had to do it. It could not be any other way. It couldn't be some celestial uh, trick to get out of the problem. Um, his plan has always been for a human being to be the one to lead us, and only one ever did. And Jesus is the only one that when he came, he lived the vocation of human beings perfectly. Uh, he never strayed to the right. He never strayed to the left. Um, we can see in, uh, in Philippians, let me move this back up. Philippians talks about this, this topic in Philippians 2, which is a great, a great verse. Not a very Christmassy verse, but a good one. Good chapter to read. And 2, uh, 6, it says, Talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Uh, this talks about Jesus becoming, humbling himself and becoming fully a human being and yet being obedient his entire walk. I mean, if the greatest problem ultimately was, was disobedience, saying, I think I'd like to be like, I think I'd like to be like God. I don't think I want to do exactly what God uh, asked me to do. If that was, the, that was sin and that was rebellion, um, the answer to it was a human being, Jesus, uh, who was fully human and fully God, walking in perfect obedience. I mean, the only one to actually do. That's why he's the perfect image of God. We're, we're made in the image of God, but we're, we've, we've deflected that image. It's like if we were made to reflect the image of God, if we were like a mirror, it's like we're a mirror that's been distorted and covered with all sorts of mud and all sorts of uh, blemishes, so we just don't reflect who God is in the right way out to the world. But Jesus did that perfectly. He's the one who perfectly lived the vocation of human beings. So I think God had to do it that way. And that was the way he wanted to. He wants it always to be that a human being would be the one uh, who would do it. So he's son of Adam. Uh, but that's not the only reason. The second thing is uh, that I want to talk about is son, son of Abraham. Um, the other reason I think God decided to do things the way he did comes out of the story of, of, uh, of Abraham. And in Genesis 12, we find this, per, this blessing to Abraham. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And one of the things that's very interesting that you see in the Jesus story is from the very beginning, this sense that God was doing a new thing that had to do with the entire world. Not just with you, not just with one nation, with one group of people, but of the entire world. And uh, the promise to be the blessing to Abraham. You know, God rescues, he, call, he calls Abraham, uh, he calls him to leave. I always think it's such an amazing story when he says, just go, and doesn't tell him where to go. Um, just leave, and I'll tell you when you get there. Uh, he sends him out to go, and then Abraham says, it says you're going to have your descendants are going to spend 400 years in slavery. And after those 400 years, I'm going to take you back to this land, and I'm going to give you this inheritance. Uh, you're going to spend a long time not having that before you get it. And he brings them back. And it's like a lot of people, when they've studied, a lot of rabbis, when they studied the story of Abraham, they feel like Abraham was like a second Adam. It was like the second chance of God. And if the first chance was with Adam, and Adam screwed up, and he, he messed up. And the second chance was with Abraham, and he said, through you, all people will be blessed. And eventually we get to the point in the story of Abraham's people um, when Moses uh, is raised up and the people are rescued from slavery and they're brought into the desert and rabbis call that moment the recapitulation of Adam which is a really big theological word to say the time they screwed up like Adam screwed up and uh, you might remember the moment they screwed up like Adam did it was after God did this great act and said now I brought together this people and these are going to be the people who are going to live my plan to represent me on this world to live the way I lived uh, have called them to live to uh, bring about my justice and my righteousness in the world and I've given them my law so they'll know how to do it and what do they do even though they were made in the image of God is they they make an image of a golden calf and they worship it and for many generations since then rabbis call that the moment like they did the Adam thing it was like God had saved us and it was the redo it was part two it was going to be through us and then we just we screwed up we 
did the same thing that Adam did. And, uh, and so they get lost. But God, just like he's faithful to his promise to all of humanity by saying, just like Adam, my plan is that through a human being, um, I will eventually rule my world. His other promise is to Abraham. And he says, through Abraham's people, one day all people will be blessed. Um, through Abraham's offspring. But Abraham's people screwed up. They did the Adam thing again. And they messed up in a way that eventually causes almost the entire story of the Old Testament is really honestly depressing. Um, when you're from Abraham and from the, from like the Passover to the end of the Old Testament, you will be depressed reading it. The story of all the judges is basically, and another guy shows up and he does the opposite of what God wants. And uh, then everything gets bad and God saves them. And then it just repeats and goes on forever. It's like they did the Adam thing again and they once again screwed up. So that's this idea of, uh, of the son of Abraham, that God wanted through Abraham all people to be blessed. And just as he's faithful to his promise to human beings through Adam, he's also faithful to Abraham. And he never, he never gives up. This promise that he says, through you all people will be blessed, he never, he never says plan B. You screwed up too much and I want to do plan B. And then the third thing is the son of David. And there's a moment in the story of David that uh, it's amazing that David is kind of like the high point of, uh, of kings in the, in the Old Testament. Um, partly because he would have been extremely scandalous to anybody today. I mean, with any other political scandals going on, I mean, David's political scandals would have uh, made our political scandals seem pretty mild. Had an affair and had a murder to cover it up. That was a pretty bad one. Uh, but uh, makes Bill Clinton seem pretty, pretty tame. Uh, but 2 Samuel 7, despite all the, the major mess-ups of, uh, of King David, uh, David was a person who was after God's heart. And God loved David, and he felt like, despite that you're super Adamish, like all the time, really like every single day, uh, I still really, really love you, and I have a promise for you. And his promise comes from 2 Samuel uh, 7, 16. He says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Uh, and that seems like the next time. If Abraham was like the do-over for Adam, um, this seems like the David dynasty seems like maybe this is like the do-over of the do-over. And now maybe these people are going to do it. Um, but it doesn't work. It, David's dynasty doesn't last forever. It doesn't take very long before it actually completely falls apart. Actually, Solomon, the very next guy, his son, he's a bad ruler. Even though he's the wisest person that's ever lived, he was a bad king. And because of his kind of bad governance, um, there's a civil war and Israel splits apart. Never to be united ever again in all of its history. Uh, it lasted 20 minutes. The, uh, the, the, your kingdom will do forever. And so David uh, has this promise. And God, just like his promise to Adam, is that ultimately through human beings I want to govern my creation. And just like his promise to Abraham that says, through your offspring, Abraham, I want to bless all peoples of the entire world. And through David, he says, your throne will last forever. It will never run out. Because God is more faithful than we are, um, he sticks to those plans. And so by the time he finally sends Jesus, and he brings Jesus in, Jesus is the one who's the son of Adam, and he's the son of Abraham, and he's the son of David. And unlike what Adam was, he perfectly lives the image of God, and he reflects in every way who God was. And if you want to know what God is like, if you want to see the reflection of God, the Bible says no one has ever seen God. Um, but if you've seen Jesus, uh, he's revealed who God is, and you can see what God is like by looking at him. Because he was made in the image of God, and he did it. He actually, he actually lived the image. And the promise to all peoples of the world comes not 
finally through Abraham's, all of his offspring, but through one of them, um, which is Jesus. And his plan is for all nations. And just like the promise uh, to Abraham is that all peoples will be blessed for you, the commission of Jesus to us is go and make disciples of all peoples, of all nations. And when they say, well, when will the end come? He says, first the kingdom must be preached to all peoples, and then the end will come. And the plan is for all nations, and there's work to be done. There's still billions of people who do not know who Jesus are, um, but there's never been a time where more people have known who Jesus are at this same time uh, that plan continues to go forward and the plan to rule uh, to rule as on David's throne um, Jesus's kingdom is the kingdom that endures forever uh, that lasts and will never run out and Jesus is the one who says right now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and his authority doesn't look you know we're so far down the road from Adam and things are so messed up that it seems like what is broken seems normal and what is, should be healthy seems broken but we're so far down Jesus is the one who shows what true authority is and it looks nothing like the kingdoms of the world it doesn't even particularly look like David's kingdom it looks like a guy saying the greatest amongst you will be the slave of all and the servant of everybody and it looks like a guy who forgives his torturers while they're crucifying him. He says, this is the kingdom that lasts forever. But Jesus is the one. The thing of Christmas is God's plan is promised to Abraham of all people being blessed, his promise to David of a kingdom that would last forever, and his promise to all of humanity that one day human beings would be restored and would govern his creation uh, in his image. They all happened in Jesus. And so the Bible tells us something. It says, you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. And you have an option to pick one of those two different things. And I think uh, it's kind of Christmas in us. What does Christmas mean for us? When I think about Jesus and what he came to do, you know, oftentimes I think we put religion into this little, like, box called religious world that it's like my private spirituality. Um, but what Jesus' mission is about is about you and I taking actual responsibility for the creation that God has made for the entire world, uh, for this neighborhood, for this city, saying, one day I'm going to, through you, you will reign forever and ever. Um, so you might want to start doing that right now. And if you want to know what that looks like, it looks a lot like the reign of Jesus who was uh, the king who was crucified. It looks a lot like a cross. It looks a lot like uh, forgiving your enemies. It looks a lot like washing the feet of your best friends the minute before they are about to betray you. Uh, it doesn't look the way power looks. And if you want to know who I care about specifically, it's everybody. It's all, all nations, all people. And there are many people who still do not know and God has called us to. And so when you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to your calling as a human being. Now, both to be blessed uh, through Abraham because you were blessed because Jesus came from him. But also to say yes, I will accept, I accept the the call to align myself under your authority, to no longer say, I want to be like God. And in some ways, we all do the Adam thing in many ways, <laughs> all the time. Uh, we still say, God, your idea is a good idea, but I'd rather do mine. Mine's better. But every time we do that, we dehumanize ourselves because our calling as human beings is to reflect who God is. And every time, I mean, sin isn't just behaving bad. It's stripping away your humanity and stripping away what you actually were made to be. And God says, when you live in line with who I made you to be, to reflect me, you're not just like pleasing me, you're being an actual true human being. Uh, you're living to your calling and your vocation. And when you do it in such a way that you take the authority I've given you and you spread the message of who Jesus is and you love the way Jesus loved and you lead the world the way Jesus would do it and you care about all people and you redefine borders and lines saying, uh, my, my, this kingdom is for all the world and the ones who I'm especially called to love are those who I would call my enemies and those who I would say uh, would persecute me and those who would um, cause problems 
comes to me? What does it look like to love those people? What does it look to like love those who are the most far from God and the most unlike me? Um, that's who Jesus says. Go to those people. <laughs> that would be a good spot for you to start. Uh, to live the calling of Jesus in Christmas is, is, a great, is a great challenge for any one of us. Uh, but that's what he's called us to. So what I'd like to do just to finish, if the worship team can come up. I, I kind of wish that Jesus would have done it a different way and that God would have ended the story in a different way. Um, but at the same time, this long road of adventure is, is the road that we are on. And, uh, and it takes time for each one of us as God uh, allows us to reflect more and more of who he is as he strips away all the atomness from our lives and the ways that we don't reflect him. And yet we have received uh, the blessing of Abraham. It's come to us. And as it's come to us, that comes with responsibility, the responsibility to, to bring it to other people. And as we are part of a kingdom that has no end, um, we're called to live the reality of that kingdom in the kingdoms of this world, in the kingdom of America, in the kingdom of uh, this century, this time that we're living in, to say, what does it look like to belong to that kingdom? And what I'd like us to do just during this time, maybe there's a place in your life where you realize, I am not what God has called me to be as a human being, living kind of in submission to who God is, but called to reflect who God is. Maybe there's places in my life that I'm just not even interested in saying yes to God. I mean, maybe you're doing the Adam thing, uh, just like Israel did, and just like David did, just like I've done many times. And maybe you need to just speak to God right now and say, because this is the road that you have us on, um, I need to align myself with your mission and your calling in my own life. And maybe there's something that you know uh, more than anything else for this Christmas that you could say, this is what I will do this Christmas, is to align a part of your life with the will of God. Maybe you just don't spend a whole lot of time even trying to figure out what that is, and so you wouldn't know. Uh, maybe your life is formed a whole lot more by media and Facebook and crazy different posts about who knows what, and not so much about what your calling as a human being is um, made in the image of God to reflect him. Um, but... I think that that would be what Christmas would be for us, uh, to be able to say once again, God, you are my authority, and I have been called to say yes to you, and I say yes to you. And now let me live uh, that image, reflect who you are, uh, not to earn your love, but because you've already paid for me, and you've already paid for my sins. Uh, but God, I want to, as a response to that, uh, live for you. So we'll just spend some time praying during this song, and then we will finish together in worship. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that even though it is a, a long road of a way to save humanity, we thank you, God, that you are faithful to your promises. You are faithful to your promise to all of humanity that you will, in of your good creation that you made, you will have us, what an awesome privilege, be the ones who, who rule that and who govern it uh, under you. And that is mind-blowing to me, God. And God, we thank you that the promise to Abraham, you were faithful to that promise. And that promise was that all people will be blessed, God. And we're of those people. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Jewish. I'm not from that clan, God. But yet your, your blessing came to me. And God, that's a great gift and a great responsibility. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness to David and that promise uh, that there would be a kingdom that would have no end. And in the middle of many kingdoms that we, we would hope would come to an end and uh, many broken kingdoms of this world, we thank you there is one that will last forever. And we gladly submit our need to it, uh, bow our knee to that kingdom. And so, God, we ask that you would work in our hearts and that you would align our lives during this season as we interact with family and uh, have some different changes in the way life is. God, would you let us be your image bearers and reflect who you are in your power and the power of the resurrected Jesus who has given us his spirit to let us obey him in this life. 
and live for his calling. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just spend a moment just speaking to the Lord during this song, reflecting. You can come to the altar, you can stay where you are, and then we will finish together in worship.
Lord, we, we thank you that you have been faithful to your promises from the very beginning. We thank you that uh, your plan to not just make us in your image, but ultimately restore us and let us be those people who live in your image and reflect you to a world that desperately needs you. And God, we thank you for that. We, God, we ask for forgiveness for the many ways in which we are still Adam and uh, we still want to be God and we still want to do the opposite of what you want and we're still childish, God, and uh, immature and self-centered, God. In many ways, we, we, we ask for forgiveness, God. We pray that you would strip those things out of us, God, slowly by slowly. You give us uh, conviction, God, to leave behind um, ways of living that aren't just, not, aren't just things that don't please you, but are things that, are strip, things that strip away who we really were made to be as human beings, God. But we thank you, God, that you are faithful to that promise. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who lived the image of God perfectly. Thank you for, for coming, and thank you for, for actually going through great suffering for that to become a reality. We know you were fully human. Uh, you didn't just float through this world as kind of God just in disguise as a human being, knowing better, but you really faced all the temptations we face. You suffered the things that we suffer. You felt the pain that we felt, but that you never strayed, Jesus, from the, uh, the image bearing of God, and you reflected perfectly to us who God is. And God, because we can see now who you are in Jesus, we pray we would uh, have courage to fully give ourselves to you and to that authority and say no to those things where we are not in line with you, God, and um, be wise to know that your image is the, is, the, is the perfect one for us, God. So, God, we pray for that, and we thank you, God, for the promise to Abraham and for your faithfulness, God, that you would one day bless all peoples. And we thank you that we are a part of that blessing because your gospel has come to us. And we see that at the end of the story, there will be people from all tribes and tongues and nations, God, who will be worshiping you, and we'll be amongst those. But, God, we know there are many people to still hear, need to still hear about you, both here in Little Village and people on the other side of this world, God, who have no chance of knowing who you are right now. Uh, God, we pray that you would send more people. We pray that you would even send us, that you give us courage. And God, we thank you for the promise to David of our kingdom that would have no end. It is your kingdom. And in the middle of a, a season where the kingdoms of this world seem to once again be raging, God, we thank you that there is a kingdom that has no end, which is yours, and we belong to it, and it is the only one that will last forever. So, God, we say yes to you uh, for Christmas. We say yes to you uh, for this season of our lives and forever. And, God, we pray that you would boldly uh, or give us courage to be bold in living for you in this world that you've created until you come or until you take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.